right here, right now. Welcome to the podcast with your hosts, Katie and Moni. Get ready to share a laugh and be amused. It's time to tell our stories right here, right now. Hey, Katie. Hey, Monica. How are you, my friend? I'm doing real great. I'm loving what is. I am too. You know, it's the best way to be because otherwise you're not loving what is. Right. Which, what is that? I don't know. Suffering. Oh, the dreaded suffering. We don't want to suffer. No, no, we don't. I mean, it's occasionally you don't really have a choice, but maybe you do. Right. And suffering, as we say the word, it sounds so dramatic, and it certainly can be. Suffering has a big spectrum of terror. Yes. can be like the worst, you know, let's not imagine it suffering to mental toiling that we go over in our minds on a daily basis. Right. And those kinds of things, there might be some choices we could make to limit that suffering. Indeed. And if you've been joining us on our book club adventure this past no no mother, whoa, this past <laughs> month of November, you are probably loving what is too. That's right. You've picked up Byron Katie's book, Loving What Is, Four Questions That Can Change Your Life. And with her revolutionary process called The Work, it really can change your life. Start to revolutionize the way we think and the way we tell ourselves certain stories, the way we think about ourselves and the way we think about others Mm -hmm. and everything. Everything. It really, reading this book has made everyday conversations different for me. Like I hate to sound dramatic, but it really has been that significant thinking, oh my, I can rework this work from a completely different angle. Mm -hmm. I could see this from a whole nother perspective. Mm -hmm. Where before I might have let myself get carried away with thoughts that made me frustrated or expected someone else in my life to perform a different way, Mm -hmm. I was able to stop those thoughts and redirect and be peaceful rather than suffering. Yeah. So awesome. It is. So this book, we just want to say, obviously, it's life-changing. And we really feel like to get the full experience, this is not the best book for Cliff Notes. This Mm -mm. is really one that you probably want to dig into, read maybe a couple times Mm -hmm. um, to get the full appreciation of the teachings of Katie because it's incredible. Right. There are so many ways we could apply it depending on where we are in our lives, what season we're in, in our lives, what's going (laughs) on in our relationships, depending on what stories we're in the middle of Mm -hmm. will be, you know, a different interpretation of how to apply this work. Yeah. So before we dig in to the work and kind of give you guys the step-by-step of how Byron Katie's work is, we wanted to give you a little background on Byron Katie. It's an interesting story. Yes. She, in 1980s, was in a not-so-good place. She had been um, – she admitted herself into a halfway house, was feeling super depressed, anxious, not of herself. She has two kids at this point and a um, estranged husband, I would mm-hmm. imagine, in this state of mind she was in was not a healthy one. No. Right? No. She – 
checked herself into the halfway house uh, knowing that she needed to get away and it was the only place that would take her insurance. Um, so she was sleeping on the floor, not allowing herself to deserve a bed. And in the middle of the night, one night started questioning the thoughts that were leading her to live this suffering life. Um, and she woke up in the morning and she was not Byron Katie anymore. No, she was like a different person. A lot of people were wondering if she'd been enlightened in some way, but she wasn't interacting in normal people ways either. She was like going up to people on the street and like just wanting to hug them or look at them or smile with them and touch them. And, you know, not everybody is receptive to that kind of interaction. So she got a lot of like, what's up with this weird woman? What is Mm -hmm. this weird energy? She doesn't seem harmful at all, but she certainly is not the normal. And her children, of course, and her husband are like, who in the world are you? She was just all of a sudden loving every single thing about the world, Mm -hmm. completely opposite of how she was before. And she also, there's, I, I hate to say, she claims to say that there's no memories of her. Like when they brought her kids and husband into her room, she was like, this is my husband. Okay, this is my husband and has not... Uh, strong memories of who she was before and them. And Monica's read another book, so she's got a little bit more juicy information from this. That is so fascinating. So with all of that, she, in a number of months, years, started helping people. People started finding out that she was helping people through this work. It was a series of questions that led her to start doubting her own beliefs about the world. Um, And this series of questions has changed thousands of people's lives. And it sounds pretty woo-woo and out there. And part of me is like, gosh, do I, like, this woman had this weird breakdown and I'm supposed to trust her on all of this stuff. But it's almost like she tapped into universal knowledge. And a lot of people say that there's tons of um, ancient religions that have a lot of similar beliefs as this. Mm -hmm. So it's like somehow on the floor that night, she did tap into some weird universal truth. Yeah. And what harm has it done to believe it, you know? Absolutely none. This this work, I bet, has started no wars. Right. <laughs> Side note. Yeah. And she goes into prisons. She has presentations in lots of different places, making eye contact with people. She's like, her face is on the cover of all of her books, and she's got these piercing blue eyes that, like, penetrate your soul. She's a really, really neat woman. And she's inspired um, – Brooke Castillo, who we've talked about a lot on the podcast, she's mentioned in Jen Sincero's book, How to Be a Badass. Like, she's done a lot Mm -hmm. of work in the self-help world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have to admit, at first, when I saw her on the cover of all the books, I thought I I wasn't crazy about that at first, just my own judgments. Mm -hmm. And after, look, you know, of course, reading the book and looking past the cover (laughs) – Really uh, not judging the book by its cover. Um, Now I love that she's on the cover. I love that I get to see her before I sit down and read her words. Like there's just something comforting about that. Like you said, those piercing blue eyes, they just feel warm, non-judgmental, non-accusatory, just Mm -hmm. looking to help with compassion, knowing that she's been where you are. So cool. I just love that. Yeah. Wherever that is, wherever you are, Mm -hmm. she sees that she's been there Mm -hmm. in the way she sees the world. Kind of cool. Amazing. So the four questions of her work. Which you can find at thework.com. 
Mm-hmm. I think is her main website, and you can download a worksheets. She has every a lot of free resources that can help you work through these questions. And um, she says, "Judge your neighbor, write it down, ask for questions, turn, turn it, around. it around." So, so it starts out with judging your neighbor. With she says, "Be as petty as you possibly can." And and don't act like you're not already doing it because we all already do it. We can't help it. Even if you're not like rudely judging your neighbor, there's still judgments we make because of the way we live our lives. That's yeah. just how we're wired. Yeah. So open up to that. Yeah. Seriously, though, that she even says that in the book. She's like, it is a human evolution's job to judge. Mm-hmm. Like humans' yes. jobs are to judge each other. And that's kind of how we've survived evolutionarily. So we're all judging all the time. And so this work helps us take a look at those judgments in a mirrored way. So looking at the way we're judging someone else as a projection of our own internal thoughts. Right. Which is why the questions are helpful because our thoughts are fueled by our story and our story is told by one author mm-hmm. <laughs> who's quite selfish. <laughs> I do say so herself. Uh, we can't help it. That's the writer of our story. Yeah, that's the unedited, unquestioned ego. You know, we all have that. And mm-hmm. if we don't get to the bottom of our ego, she can really run wild yep. and go places that she probably shouldn't. Right. So these four questions start out with question number one, is your thought or your judgment of this other person true? Mm-hmm. More than likely, if you're thinking the thought, your first question, a lot of the times you're like, yeah, number one, it's true. Yeah, it's definitely true. Yeah, she was being a total bitch. Of course she was. Mm -hmm. Um, Can I absolutely know that it's true is question number two. So then it's like in the court of law. Yeah. Could this be proven? And I like that question two has you second guess your first answer because, Uh again, your egotistical storyteller is in charge of these answers up front as well. And if you are like, but really though, under the microscope, a lot of the time you'll be able to see, I mean, well, I guess I can't know that for 100%. If I were going to put this idea away in jail, Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe not without a shadow of a doubt, know for sure that this is true. And this is where reading the book helps because I know in our conversation right now, if I were a listener to this without having read the book, I'd be thinking like most of my thoughts, you know, you could say I I believe that most of my thoughts are true. But the way that Byron breaks it down really makes you realize that a lot of these thoughts that you have, they're just simply not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, There's the thoughts and then there's the fact that we can think about our thoughts. And so often we're just having the thoughts Mm -hmm. and we don't pause to take a one step above that in raising our vibration and thinking of the thoughts themselves. Right. And that's what this work asks us to do is step away from your stories and your attachment to the said story and say, could I write a better story? Yeah. (laughs) So that leads us to question three, which is how do I react? What happens when I believe this thought that I am sure is true? Yeah. And most of the time, these thoughts that we're judging are when you believe these thoughts, it's a very negative reaction inside Mm -hmm. of my body. I get angry. I get annoyed. I get sad. I feel stressed. I'm disconnected from my friends and myself. Or whatever it is, you know, there's a myriad of ways that it could make you feel that are likely not ideal. Mm-hmm. Not part of the questions, but a lot of the time, um, oh, well, the next question is, who would I be without the thought? And a lot of the time she words that when 
as, um, can I find a stress-free reason to keep this thought? Is there mm-hmm. anything stress-free in your life that makes you – I just always go to the example of my husband didn't take out the garbage, so he's an asshole, like, or he doesn't love me, right? He doesn't mm-hmm. love the family. Um, who would I be without the thought? It's like, well, obviously, I'd be a lot happier if I didn't think that my husband had to take out the garbage to make me happy or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And who would I be without that thought? Probably just taking out the trash and loving the sunset. Yeah, absolutely. I would be the one taking out the trash, which is <clears throat> the turnaround. So after we've asked these four questions, is it true? Can I absolutely know that it's true? How do I react when I believe the thought? And who would I be without it? We turn it around. And I think we the example, like you just said, my husband should take out the trash. Maybe I should take out the trash. Yes. The turnaround then has us say, well, what would the opposite of my my ideal world be? Mm-hmm. So my husband's a jerk because he didn't take out the trash. Maybe I am a jerk because I didn't take out the trash. Yeah. Maybe or, my maybe my husband shouldn't have taken out the trash. Yeah. Maybe I was supposed to do it to begin with. Yeah. All the girls are like, wait, what? We're telling you. Just read the book. It'll make sense. Yes. It's, it's not about the example. It's not about the story. It's about the process and this formula way of looking at your own assumptions about the way things are. Exactly. Which is pretty deep stuff. So you kind of just have to dive in yourself. Yeah. Start swimming. One of the things that I swam upon – that was really helpful, simply helpful was that she says there's only three types. There are three types of business, businesses, and you should only be concerned with one. Mm-hmm. There's my business, your business, and God's business. And when she refers to God's business, that could mean, you know, whatever your higher power universal oneness word is and a belief. She, and she that. says that's like, for her, that's just the force of nature. Mm-hmm. You know, if it hailed outside and that dented your car, well, that's God's business. Yeah. It's kind of yours also because it's your car. But, um, you know. But you wouldn't be mad at. You wouldn't be mad. Right. Yeah. And if you were, then you probably need to turn it around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she says that anytime you're finding yourself in suffering, then it's likely that you're meddling in not your own business. Right. Because any suffering we have is in our of our own creation. And we can visit our thoughts, meet them with compassion, and allow them to let go of us if we just let them. And it's not easy. And that's no. why it takes work. And mm-hmm. she's like, this is constant work. Every time you're in suffering, you need to inquire. Yes. If you're in, if you're suffering, you're not inquiring. Mm-hmm. And if you're inquiring, you're probably not suffering very much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so to give you a kind of guys kind of a breakdown of how this book works, she just really has tons of interviews where she's doing the work with people. And she has chapters between the interviews, but there's so many examples of people from every walk of life with every problem you could seriously imagine from kids with monsters under the bed to adults suffering divorce after uh, an affair mm-hmm. and everything Terrorism in between. and PTSD. Like there are tons everything. of and this Dialogues. work turns it around so well that people, the majority of time, start eventually laughing mm-hmm. at their original judgment statements once they realize how ridiculous their ego is being. Mm-hmm. 
and you you laugh with them. You're it's, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you're seeing it this way. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And through each story, even if you don't have the same issue, there's so much to be benefited from the way that they see their problem. You know, you can usually think of a problem like that, you know, that's, you know, maybe not the exact same, but some one that you know. And so you're able to live these conversations and then that really helps them sink into a way that we can apply them to our normal realm of thinking to where it becomes easier to where more often we're laughing instead of stressing Mm -hmm. and we're able to just slow down and chill the fuck out seriously (laughs) and have you found yourself laughing at your thoughts since reading this book because i know i have yeah like in the car i'll be like fuming over something and then i'm like (laughs) reading this book has made me want to buy a copy for everyone i interact with on a daily basis so they'll know what i where why i've what's happened right (laughs) it's like here i'm not gonna be communicating the same probably forever now so you should probably read this book and it's incredible we've said like this is the gift that keeps keeps on giving like if we were to give this to everyone on our christmas lists lists what a huge gift that would be to ourselves yes and it's also challenging i guess once you learn about it because then you're like why can't everyone see this this way yeah it's so it's so because they shouldn't. If we sound cryptic, then it's just because you need to read. You the have book. to read it. You have to read <laughs> and it for we're yourself. So serious, like so serious. It's incredible. It really. I just. I can't even say it enough. It's incredible. No. Um, I wanted to read this passage from page ninety nine of the book. Um, I didn't have my copy on me, and this is the only thing I wrote down, underlined, I should say, and I just remembered it's page ninety nine. So I was like, yes, score. This is. Like, perfect sum up. And I didn't write anything down either. I was on vacation when I read this book. And so when she read the passage out loud, it was all the things I was trying to remember that I wanted to say about this. So it was the perfect pull that you found. And I'm just so excited for this summary of sorts. That's right. On Mm -hmm. page 99 of Loving What Is. The work is not about shame and blame. It's not about proving that you are the one in the wrong or forcing yourself to believe that someone else is in the right. The power of the turnaround lies in the discovery that everything you think you see on the outside is really just a projection of your own mind. Everything is a mirror image of your own thinking. Once you have learned to go in for your own answers and opened yourself up to the turnarounds, you'll experience this for yourself. In discovering the innocence of the person you judged, you'll come to recognize your own innocence. I love that. That makes me think of several of her stories uh, or her interviews start with the person's story where um, they're mad because so-and-so did this. And one of the first things, other than is that true, she'll say, can you think of a time that you've done that? Mm-hmm. And that's just boom. Like, oh, I'm mad at this person for pulling out. They didn't stop all the way at the stop sign and they've now cut me off and I have to swerve out of the way. And I'm mad and it's ruined this moment. And then I think, oh, yeah, I've totally done that before. Yeah. I've totally just not really been paying attention. I just pulled out. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm embarrassed. I've done it. Mm-hmm. I've been there. Yep. 
And then you're just like, suddenly it doesn't freaking matter that they just did that and everything relaxes. And it's just like, "Ah." yeah, I'm mad because they left this crazy mess in the kitchen. I've met left that crazy mess in the kitchen. I'm mad for just all sorts of things. She also talks about how when something bad happens to us, it happens a lot of the time. Bad things happen maybe one time. And then throughout the day, if you got into an argument with your significant other or your boss or whoever, throughout the day, you're going to be replaying that argument over and over and over in your mind. So she says, you know, this argument happened once, but now you're choosing to continue to go back there mm-hmm. over and over again. Look at the mental anguish you're putting yourself through. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking that this other person has done that to you, mm-hmm. but you're doing it to yourself. Yeah. You could be equally as upset with yourself as you are with that person, or yeah. maybe even more so because you allowed them to get under your skin like that. Exactly. And I love the idea that, and I've been using it a lot, that I am, no one else can hurt my feelings but me. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, that's huge. It is. And it's really hard to believe. And when someone does something that you don't like, it's really hard to take the blame mm-hmm. away from yourself and say that that was their fault. But it's like, well, if that were true, then, you know, there are people out there that are just impermeable to that kind of reaction. Mm-hmm. Like people just, their feelings just don't get hurt as easily. So I'm the one being sensitive. So I'm the one that needs to do the work. So that I can survive in this crazy world. Yes. Yes. And I love too that she puts it just that frankly is that if you're waiting for anyone else to do it, then you will suffer forever because you're the only one who can. But what a relief to know that you're the one that you've been waiting for. Yeah. That you're the one that you have that option. And I feel like we keep coming back to the same. I feel like we've said this before in the podcast with other authors and other, you know, it's, it just really is mind blowing how all of it starts to be really similar, all these different educations and workings and people coming from different backgrounds. And they're all discovering the same freaking truth that if your life is shitty, you need to freaking fix it and stop blaming other people for your shitty life. Yes. Look within. Inquire within. Hiring within. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) We'll work for cookies. For sure. And also... Of course, the title, Loving What Is, just that reality could not have possibly happened any other way. And so we might as well, like you were saying, was that last week? Get in. Uh, if you can't get out of it, get into it. If you can't get out of it. That's right. Get into it. That's right. Yes, exactly. And we can't get out of reality. I mean, yeah, we can't. No, <laughs> you could try. Yeah. With probably Buffering. things that are not the best for you. Yeah, lots of ways to buffer a reality. But Mm -hmm. if you can't get out of it, get into it. That's right. Just love it. Mm -hmm. You're here. Mm -hmm. You're living in paradise. She says that we're humans living on this incredible earth with all these gifts and all these things to think about. Last week, we were talking about all the things we have to be grateful for. And it's amazing how much we have at our fingertips. And yet we choose to focus on the most negative, petty, Mm -hmm bullshit Mm -hmm. to prevent ourselves from being happy. And it's insane. It is. It's insane. And that's why she says this work is like the opposite of insanity because our brains just lead naturally lead to these insane thoughts with these insane expectations. And we're just going to waste our lives bitching about stuff rather than just loving it. Yeah. 
hoping the way it should be will finally happen one day. Who are we to say who what should be? Yeah, and what other people should be doing yeah, with their lives yeah. and how I'm not going to be satisfied Yeah, until... If they keep doing this thing, that's not okay with me. Yeah, so I'm not going to have a good time until they change that behavior that they've been doing their entire lives that I've been telling them not to do this entire relationship and I'm not going to be happy. What? Wow. She also talks about loving to do the dishes Mm -hmm. and loving. She talks about doing work as one dish at a time. You have a huge job in front of you. You're literally just going to have to do it one at a time. And you're going to be miserable the whole time. Like, no, just love it. Yeah. She talks about how upset she used to get at her children for not picking up their socks. Mm -hmm. And now picking up her socks is one of her favorite activities because it gets her house to look the way she wants it to look. Yes. She's like, I love picking up my children's socks. Yeah. So her thought process were was my kids are the worst. They don't pick up their socks. They don't love me. And she was like, is that really true? She's like, can I know that to be true? No, I can't know that my kids don't love me because they're not picking up their socks. And she's like, who am I when I believe this thought? I'm a terrible negative mother I'm who's rude to them. being mean all the time yeah. because they're not doing something. Screw that. Who will I be without that thought? I'll probably be someone who enjoys picking up socks. Yeah. And then her turnaround was the kids should pick up the socks. I I should pick pick up up the socks. socks. And she's like, oh, well, that was easy. The kids shouldn't pick up their socks. Because they don't. Right. (laughs) Then to believe they should is arguing with what is. Right. And so you're just going to be pissed all the time. Yeah. Because socks socks on the floor. Every (laughs) day. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's laughable. It's laughable. (laughs) I love it. I love that we get to choose to be happy. I love that we get all the things that we get that we're, I have that on my, uh, on a sticky note on my mirror. You are living in paradise. Mm, I love it. Because we are living in freaking paradise. Our world is so awesome. We get a sunrise and a sunset and we get some type of crazy Texas seasons or wherever you are. Some seasons. We get seasons. We get life in one season with death in the next. We get so many cycles that we can enjoy. And you get the magical opportunity to interact with a podcast with two gals from Texas right here. Right now. (laughs) Let's do our writing exercise. Yeah. So we're going to go back to our writer's toolbox today. We're going to pull out some sixth sense cards. It's been a while since we busted that out from Jamie Cat Callen. Mm-hmm. Thanks again out there, Jamie, for creating such a wonderful tool for us to use that let us hear yeah. now. Oh my gosh. It's wow. been an amazing year. It really has. So, oops, we forgot to introduce the our book of the yes. month for December. Womp, womp. Womp. We've already talked about it before. It was kind of the wrong sound effect. Sorry, I meant to go. Bow, bow, bow. Much better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we actually have a whole podcast name, title, episode dedicated to the book. It's called yeah. Improv Wisdom. Yes, by Patricia Madsen. Um, but as Monica's dug deeper into this book, she realized it's something that I need to read and yeah. it's something that we wanted to share. And it's something we all are already learning through the other books we've read and just in the being through this podcast. Yeah. You're going to love it, everyone. Katie. So go ahead. Get your uh, shopping cart out mm-hmm. and 
go snag that book from your local library. Yes. Improv wisdom. That'll be our December book of the month. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Back to the exercise. You by now had a chance to find your paper and your pen and your timer that you will set for three minutes. We'll get three prompts. We'll give them to you one at a time, pausing. You will pause us in between if you're choosing to join. Which is a great choice. Way to go. Right off the bat, we can tell you make excellent decisions. That's right. Uh, Otherwise, it's going to seem like a flash and we're going to be telling you some funny off-the-cuff stories that we're about to write. So your first prompt in your excellent story is a crooked umbrella. And for our second prompt, we have the taste of lipstick. Interesting. Hmm. Is it funny? It's funny. (laughs) And your final prompt is a man selling bananas. (laughs) Okay. The banana man. How'd that go for you? It was fun. Yeah. Loving what was? Yeah, it was. How about you? Yeah, it's pretty fun. I'm excited to see what you think. I bet I will think it's great. Because then I'm going to turn around and I'm going to be like, I'm great. (laughs) Whatever she writes is great. (laughs) Okay. Gosh darn it, Sammy. Don't you know you're not supposed to open umbrellas indoors? It's bad luck. I don't think that applies to old broken umbrellas, Grandpa. Look, the arms are all crooked. Grandpa didn't look. He kept digging through his old corner of stuff in the garage. Maybe I could loosen one of these arms. I got in there really close to examine the hinge joint. It looked like something was wedged up in there. A tube of some kind. I pried it out of there and out popped a bright red cylinder of some kind. It looked like a fat crayon that easily smushed between my fingers. Grandpa, look, what's this crayon for? He looked over and sniffed it. (laughs) Oh, son, that's your grandmother's favorite, hot stove red. Grandma had a favorite crayon? I asked excitedly. No, silly, her lipstick. She always had to have that shade. Hot stove red. There were tubes hiding everywhere, just in case she needed to reapply. Just then, we heard a knock at the garage door. Grandpa looked out the peephole. Gosh darn it, I told Jerry I didn't want any more bananas. Why did he bring over a whole bushel? That man is off his damn rocker. I'm going to call Martha. She needs to come and get him off my property. (laughs) But, Grandpa, I think a banana sounds quite appealing, I said, opening the door for Jerry. (laughs) That was the greatest story. It was so simple and just basic. It's just Grandpa and son. Gosh darn it, I loved it. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, uh, really, something about that really just hit me. I don't know. Gosh darn it. One of my favorites. Yay, I'm glad. Yay, I told you I was going to love it. I know, it was great. (laughs) You're great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my story is a little different. 
Oh, no way. I know. I was hoping you wrote the same one. <laughs> Me too. That'd be cool. That Someday. Be. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> the woman was maybe 60, gray hair tied in a knot on the crown of her head. She had a large beauty mark, so big I wondered if it was a sticker on her or the real deal. <clears throat> the sign she stood next to read, Psychic, Inquire Within, Palm Reading, Start at $5. She tapped the crooked umbrella she was holding impatiently as I fidgeted in front of her. Well, she said in a raspy voice. I handed her the five dollars, wondering what I was thinking, and stepped into her tent. Sit, dear, she said as she rounded the small table and sat across from me. She, handed, she held out her hands, and I placed my right hand in hers as if she had asked me to. She closed her eyes, and I suddenly tasted Lancome lipstick just like mom's when she would kiss me as a child. My mother's face flashed so intensely in my mind, as though she were standing beside me. I couldn't help but let a tear slide down my cheek. You miss her, said the voice across the table. She was very beautiful, you know. You so resemble your mother. I said nothing. I couldn't believe my ears. How did this stranger read me like that? I became surprisingly defensive, trying to protect this woman from seeing me. I just felt so exposed. I tried to trick her and started thinking about the man I'd bought a chocolate-covered banana from earlier. I saw his face in detail, and the psychic interrupted my thoughts. You can try to distract yourself with that banana man, sweetheart. <laughs> but you know why you've come to my tent today. You weren't even planning on coming to this fair this morning. You tried to get out of it all day long, yet you came, and you sought me out. And now, sweetheart, get ready, because you and I have some work to do. Ooh! I love it! <laughs> Yay! That was a good one. Thanks. Like, she's like, sit. <laughs> sit down. <laughs> Just whatever you said was adorable. Awesome. Yay, Yay friend. We do have some work to do. We've got some work to do, sweetheart. Yes, it's true. And you are not exempt from that, listener. You also have work to do. Right. You could choose to avoid it. Mm -hmm. But or, it might not serve you well. Yeah. So if you can't get out of it, get into it. That's right. And get into our live. You can be in our business for a yeah. little bit. Get in our yeah. business. Write us a review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And, uh, you know, whatever you do, make sure you share the love. Right here. Right now. Bye. Bye. And here are a couple of uh, little funny laughs. Yeah. Quotables. Silly bloop, things. Bloop, bloop. Little bloop, bloop. Enjoy, Enjoy. it. <laughs> Hey, Katie. Has that clock always been there? <laughs> you know, it has been there since a long... Yes. So we've been recording with it. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. This is the first time I've noticed that. <laughs> that is crazy. Right here. Right now.